it's hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in lost sales and profit. Sunk costs, the businesses that lost time-sensitive shipments in the Zim Kingston cargo ship disaster. Plus, there are some things uh, people and parents can be thinking about ahead of time. Preparing your kids for a COVID-19 vaccine with a possible Health Canada approval looming. What a group of scientists says parents need to know. And sniffed and then decided to take a lick of my right hand. The slobbery shock that has a Quinnell woman thankful she's alive. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We'll have more on those stories in a moment, but first we begin with breaking news. Environment Canada has issued a tornado watch for parts of the Lower Mainland. Meteorologist Yvonne Schell is here with more on that. Yvonne. Good morning. Uh, good, after, good evening, everyone. Uh, it's been active in terms of the weather and what we're tracking is the potential. So now the tornado watch has ended across the region. We're starting to get in some video. We're hoping to capture that for you. But here's an image of what we did see. So earlier today, a water spout just around 530 between 5.30 and 5.45. A water spout was spotted just, uh, spotted just west of Vancouver out of the airport and it was moving north. And then we had that cell just moving its way across and over the mountains. So near Grouse, that's where we're watching that active cell. And here's what we're currently seeing. So the tornado watch has uh, has ended. So there was the potential for brief or weak tornadoes. This is unheard of. Potentially 10 years ago, we had this potential and we're tracking that cell now. So I've taken this radar loop within the last hour and a half to two, and we can see that it has weakened across the region. We're hoping to get in more video, but the tornado watch has has ended across the region. Here's what we're going to show you that we did see that we captured some of the lightning just out of Richmond. There's a brief flash that was there. We're still seeing a few Here's another shot just overlooking English Bay. So it was that particular cell that was moving across the region. We had several reports. We'll have photos. Twitter has been lighting up as well across the area. But the tornado watch for anyone that's on Twitter, we've had lots of photos on social media. It has ended across the region. And we are watching that cell that's just working its way over Grouse Mountain. We still do have some active well weather, the risk of thunderstorms. And we still have very windy conditions. We've also got a special weather statement that has been issued across the region for Monday night leading in towards Tuesday. So I'll have more, hoping to get more photos when I come back very shortly. Nithu? All right, glad to hear the watch has ended for now. Thanks for that, Yvonne. As the cleanup continues to remove debris from containers lost from a freighter off Vancouver Island last month, the supply chain impact of the damaged cargo hauler is starting to be felt. One of BC's biggest retailers has lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in Christmas merchandise, while a Victoria publisher is also missing thousands of books. Kristen Robinson reports. As London Drugs unwraps its holiday stock, thousands of items destined to deck the shelves in its 80 stores are delayed. We certainly won't see them in time for this Christmas. While Santa has arrived, decorations including tableware and assorted lights from China are missing due to the misadventures of the MV Zim Kingston off BC's coast. It's hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in lost sales and profit for London Drugs. The products are in two containers aboard the cargo vessel. The MV Zim Kingston was carrying close to 2,000 containers when 109 went overboard during a storm in late October. Several others were damaged in a fire on the ship's deck days later. With no idea when they'll arrive or in what condition, 
London Drugs says the insurance process has begun. If there's any sign of contamination uh, due to the fire, they will not be sold whatsoever. They will be disposed of. Every Last Drop is a book by Michelle Mulder, who's a Victoria author. Victoria's Orca Book Publishers is awaiting 15,000 paperbacks, five titles in its non-fiction environmental footprint series for kids. My big worry about them is the, all that water they've been spraying on the boat and sitting at sea for this long. I, I have a hard time seeing that they're going to be okay. Four of the vessel's lost containers washed ashore near Cape Scott, where they spilled fridges onto remote beaches on northern Vancouver Island. While Orca has reordered its books from its Chinese printer, it's rethinking how it can source local. We're willing to pay a premium to be able to print in this country because I think it makes sense. There's no point in chasing the lowest price everywhere. The castaway cargo is just a tiny fraction of the millions of containers processed by the Port of Vancouver each year, but it's a big hit for businesses. It's disappointing given that we've planned this for months and months in advance and uh, not to have this product available for our customers. It really hurts us. Kristen Robinson, Global News. The congregation at a Fraser Valley church says it is dealing with a surge of COVID-19 cases. Pastor Scott Tolhurst with Clearbrook Mennonite Brethren Church in Abbotsford said the cases were first detected on October 18th. So far, 40 people have been infected and 11 of them have ended up in hospital. The church had suspended in-person worship. Fraser Health has since given them the green light to resume service this weekend. But out of an abundance of caution, the church is waiting until November 14th. The provincial health officer is urging caution in areas like Fraser East, where transmission is still high. Particularly, we've seen a number of clusters related to um, gatherings in Fraser East, and uh, this is one of them. Absolutely, we have uh, guidance out for faith leaders, and I know that many of them are following it. It is top of mind for many parents of young school children wondering when Health Canada might approve a COVID-19 vaccine for their kids. As Amadagahi reports, a science-based group is now advising parents and other medical professionals on what they need to know, especially now that two of the largest B.C. school districts won't be implementing a vaccine mandate. They are the age group that, according to the Public Health Agency of Canada, are overrepresented in our country's total COVID-19 case count. The, this age group, the 0 to 11 year age group, is now uh, the age group with the highest incidence. Not surprisingly, because, of course, schools have reopened and uh, this is the group that has not received any vaccines. This comes as Health Canada continues to review Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine for children ages 5 to 11, with a potential decision on approval now set to be weeks and not months away. You are the bravest. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration has already granted emergency use authorization for Pfizer's pediatric vaccine. And the country began immunizing children last week. Our um, fifth grader is not in school right now. She's staying at home because we do not feel safe with her not being vaccinated and her schoolmates not being vaccinated. Kayanta Martins is one of the many Canadian parents eagerly anticipating the approval of a children's COVID vaccine. However, studies do show about 10% of parents or their kids will have some hesitation, mostly associated to fear of needles and pain. 
So ahead of the vaccine rollout, a new group of experts has formed the Science Up First initiative, aiming to help parents avoid misinformation and to provide tips like this. But if you have a kid who has high levels of needle fears, being able to seek out some support from a mental health care professional, uh, there's a particular type of science-backed uh, therapy that can be really helpful uh, to reduce those needle fears and have a positive experience. Martins, who herself is also part of an advocacy group Safe Schools Coalition says while some parents will be more comfortable than others, the large majority share her perspective. We want to take the steps necessary to protect our children, and one of those steps is vaccination. Emma Degahi, Global News. Oak Bay police are searching for the suspect in an attempted child luring incident. It happened just after 3 Friday afternoon on Central Avenue near Hampshire Road. Police say a man in his 50s or 60s driving a vintage shiny dark green car with an off-white fabric top offered candy and a ride home to a 12-year-old girl. She ran back to school and police were called. The suspect is described as olive-skinned with spiky gray-brown hair and tattoos below the neck and down both arms. He was wearing a dark green or black short-sleeve shirt, black jeans and had a chunky gold ring on his right hand. A home in an East Vancouver duplex was gutted by fire late last night. Firefighters were called to the older duplex in the 500 block of Hawks Avenue before 11 p.m. Vancouver Fire and Rescue says the fire started in one unit before it got into the walls. A firefighter could be seen opening up an exterior wall to check on the fire spread. Crews managed to put it out soon after and no injuries were reported. So far, no word on the cause of the fire. Vancouver police are investigating an early morning stabbing at a downtown fast food restaurant that sent two men to hospital. At 3.30 a.m., security guards flagged down police officers to the McDonald's on Granville and Smythe. Two men were found at the scene with stab wounds. No word yet on the extent of their injuries, nor what may have led to the attack. And Abbotsford police are investigating a brazen daytime robbery at a pharmacy. Officers were called to the pharmacy in the 30400 block of Blue Ridge Drive this past Wednesday around 5.30 in the afternoon. Police are now looking for three male suspects believed to be in their 20s to 30s who they say entered the pharmacy brandishing a firearm and left with money and prescription drugs. Anyone who witnessed or has dash cam or CCTV footage of the incident is asked to contact Abbotsford Police. The suspect in a random stabbing in a Kitsilano neighborhood more than three years ago has been found not criminally responsible due to a mental disorder. 28-year-old Kyle Michael Arnold received an absolute discharge in Vancouver Provincial Court on Friday. He'd been accused of aggravated assault, assaulting a peace officer and causing unnecessary pain and suffering to an animal. In the July 2018 attack near West 4th Avenue and U, Rose Steinmeier was walking her dog when a stranger started stabbing the 11-year-old Golden Retriever Rottweiler Cross. Witnesses rushed in to save Cooper. Arnold was arrested after a struggle. The incident began a few blocks away where the suspect was accused of stabbing a former roommate. A man charged with first-degree murder in the double homicide of two brothers in Naramata is also considered a missing person. Prince George RCMP say 35-year-old Anthony James Graham has been the subject of a missing persons investigation since June. 
He was last seen around May 25th in Prince George. That was a couple of weeks after the murders of Kamloops brothers Carlo and Eric Fryer in Naramata. Graham was one of two men charged with those murders, but police never caught up with him. His co-accused, 32-year-old Wade Cudmore, was arrested on June 10th, just one day after his mother, Kathy Richardson, was found dead in her Naramata home. No arrests have been made in connection to her murder. We're making a missing persons uh, release about Mr. Graham because all other avenues to locate him have been exhausted. Um, and friends and family have not seen or heard from him since the end of May. If anyone does see Mr. Graham, they should contact their local police or call 911 immediately. The city of Prince George says staff along with BC Housing and the RCMP helped to relocate 20 people from an encampment on George Street to supportive housing. Temporary fencing has been placed around the site to ensure no further encampments are established. The move to housing fulfills a recent court decision to have the tent city removed. A second encampment on Lower Patricia Boulevard will remain until housing is made available. More than 21 years after the murder of a B.C. woman in India, her husband came face to face with those accused of ordering his wife's killing for the first time. With heavy security, Sukhvinder Singh, known as Mittu, was escorted to a Punjab court to testify in the case. He's in jail on unrelated drug charges. Outside court on Wednesday, he told local media he's been facing threats from the relatives of his slain wife. Jesse Sidhu, a 25-year-old Maple Ridge woman who secretly married Mittu against the wishes of her family, was tortured and killed in June of 2000. Mittu was badly beaten and knocked unconscious. Jesse's mother, Malkit Gaur Sidhu, and her uncle, Surjit Singh Badesha, were extradited from B.C. to India in 2019 to face trial. According to the now elderly pair's lawyer, they did not approve of the marriage but have denied having any role in Jesse's murder. Sidhu is out on bail and Badesha's bail application is set for Tuesday. The case is the focus of the latest episode of Global Television's true crime series, Crime Beat. You can watch online through the Global TV app or globaltv.com. And after the break, concerns for a cub wandering in a BC neighborhood. For this cub to survive is extremely unlikely. The fears over the fate of an orphan bear cub in the southern interior. Plus, it actually just feels like a dog tongue, not like a cat's tongue. This Quinnell woman describes a bear encounter with a slobbery surprise. The fate of an orphaned bear cub is the talk of a neighborhood near Kamloops. There are fears the animal will not survive the winter on its own, but conservation officers say it should be left alone. Paul Johnson has the details. How would you feel about this little creature showing up in your neighborhood? These images come from the North Kamloops neighborhood of Rayleigh, where an orphaned black bear cub started hanging out a couple of weeks ago. This little one is in the community for safety, number one. There's also an um, abandoned orchard that, po- that has possibly some rotting fruit there. Ellie Lamb has decades of experience interacting with and educating people about BC's black and grizzly bears. She says the cub that's turned up in Rayleigh looks pretty skinny for this time of year. For this cub to survive is extremely unlikely. 
So, and Kamloops winters can be pretty, pretty tricky. Normally, a cub like this would be fattening up under the guidance of its mother and getting ready to hibernate, also with mom. Every fall, BC sees a number of cubs in situations like this, and some of them end up in one of three rehab facilities, where they're fattened up on a diet of rice and strawberry and sure, no joke, and set up to hibernate in sheds and then released the following spring. But so far, that's not the plan for this one. But the Conservation Service uh, turned down the opportunity to um, allow somebody or allow themselves to pick the cub up and take them to a, a licensed rehab center. A spokesperson for the Conservation Officers Service told Global News, while they understand people are passionate about orphaned cubs, their policy is to leave them on their own if they're considered capable of surviving. Lamb believes that given the success of BC's rehab programs, this one should get set up with room and board for the winter. Why would we roll the dice on their lives if we have the opportunity to make a difference and make sure they make it through uh, the winter? Paul Johnson, Global News. A BC woman is warning others to be aware of their surroundings after an intimate and unexpected wildlife encounter. Melanie Porter was sitting on her porch in Quinell this past Thursday, having a smoke and browsing TikTok when she saw something approach in the corner of her eye. It came closer and she realized it was a bear. She says she froze out of sheer panic, fearing it might hit her. Instead, the animal's licks were luscious. Porter says the bear walked in front of her and around to her right side, taking a sniff and then licking her hand. His mouth was more open and I was like, nope. And so I pulled it back and he decided to kind of back up. I must have startled him. And he went up on his hind legs and his paws were kind of crouched in. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take a snapshot. My phone is still open and on and nobody's going to believe this. It actually just feels like a dog tongue, a gigantic dog tongue. <laughs> like a Newfoundland Labrador tongue. So just because this bear was friendly for a few minutes doesn't mean that all bears are friendly. Some quick-thinking motorists along Highway 99 saved an injured bird. This cormorant bird could be seen along Highway south of the Massey Tunnel in Delta this morning. A highway maintenance crew quickly came to the lucky bird's aid and a worker safely placed the bird inside their heated truck before heading to a rescue shelter. In a tweet, Drive BC said, should we name the bird? Still ahead, environmental protesters swarm streets across the world. Our emissions are up um, more than any other G7 country since Paris. Activists say Canada is lagging on climate action. Their calls for leaders to live up to the COP26 hype. Plus. And this is our first time being part of the plasma donation. A series of blood drives are underway in the first official Sick Nation Blood Donation Month. Protesters took to the streets around the world today, calling for greater action on climate change. As Mike Drolet reports, some clearly aren't satisfied with what's being said at the United Nations Climate Summit so far. There was a carnival-type feeling in the air in Glasgow, Scotland. But the music barely masked the lack of joy in the crowd. Halfway through the two-week UN climate conference, Dale Marshall of Environmental Defence says Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's commitments 
fell short of what they expected. We have a week left, so I'm, you know, I'm disappointed so far. Repeating promises made during the federal election, Trudeau committed to raising the carbon tax, reducing oil and gas emissions by 40 to 45 percent, and phasing out coal-fired electricity all by 2030. He also pledged to stop shipping coal abroad, joined other countries in a vow to end deforestation by 2030, and stop new direct public investment in oil and gas development by 2022. You know, it doesn't give me any pleasure to say that Canada's a laggard when it comes to climate change. I mean, our, you know, our emissions are up um, more than any other G7 country since Paris. We have the weakest target for 2030 in terms of emission reductions in the G7. Canadian Environment Minister Stephen Guibault defended his government's promises, painting them as ambitious. Still, the former climate activist said this week he's hopeful for much more. The world is watching. And as uh, Sir David Attenborough said this morning, uh, let's work together to turn this strategy into triumph for, for the people and for the planet. The world is certainly watching. Microlight Global News, Toronto. In health matters, the push is on for the country's largest grassroots blood drive with donors rolling up their sleeves where the Sick Nation campaign began more than two decades ago in Surrey. A blood drive was held today at Princess Margaret Secondary School, where organizers were hoping to collect 100 units of blood. The goal is to increase the number of South Asian donors and is among a number being held across the country. The event was first launched in the city back in 1999 to commemorate the tragic loss of thousands of lives in India's anti-Sikh riots in 1984. Since partnering with Canadian Blood Services, the group is on track to make its largest annual contribution to patients this year. In Canada alone, this campaign has saved close to 160,000 lives. Um, and uh, many more, um, which is on other part of the world. Um, so it's, it's a huge number when you look at one life is pretty much one family. Coming up next, no stone left alone. It's important. Without them, we wouldn't be where we are right now. How the Burnaby Remembrance Service is helping future generations honor veterans ahead of November 11th. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. The gray day in Burnaby adding to the solemnity of a Remembrance Day service today. <laughs> Veterans, RCMP, Transit Police, and Canadian Forces members in attendance as cadets from the St. John Ambulance laid poppies and flags on graves at Forest Lawn Memorial Park. The No Stone Left Alone event allows the next generation to learn, honour and remember the contributions of veterans in the days leading up to November 11th. I don't know how difficult it must have been and how much it must have been through to help us and I guess I'll never really know how much they did but important. Without them, we wouldn't be where we are right now. And coming out to the location and having a meaningful act of remembrance okay. hopefully will resonate well with the cadets. It is important because then they will take that with them through their lives and hopefully none of the conflicts happen again. 
Well, the start of BC's ski season is only a few weeks away, and some resorts across the province are requiring guests to be fully vaccinated before getting on the mountain. Yasmin Gandam tells us which resorts have the policy in place and how to be prepared before stepping foot on the powder. Well, before you get your ski or snowboard gear out, double check the policies in place at the mountain you're going to. Some BC resorts require guests to be vaccinated before hitting the slopes. Revelstoke Mountain Resort is one of them. On their website, the resort says it is requiring guests 12 years of age and older to provide proof they are fully vaccinated starting on November 18th. The BC vaccine card you use to enter a restaurant or other non-essential business will do, along with a piece of government-issued ID. Grouse Mountain also requiring all guests to be fully vaccinated starting on opening day or November 27th, whichever comes first. Big White Ski Resort is not requiring proof of vaccination, saying the short gondola ride doesn't pose much of a risk when it comes to COVID-19. They're all outdoor lifts but one, and that one is the gondola. And the gondola ride is only two and a half to three minutes. Mandatory to wear a mask because you're inside with others. On, at the other resorts, some of these gondolas is the only way up the mountain and they're 20 to 25 minute rides. So we think it's great that they're making it mandatory to be vaccinated because you're with people to maximize the capacity of the lift and you don't know whether they're vaccinated or not. Well, now you can ride in comfort knowing everyone on the lift is vaccinated. And that's a great thing. Whistler Black Home Ski Resort also not requiring vaccines for guests, but will require all employees to be double dosed. Big White also requiring vaccination from employees despite guests not needing to show proof. That just makes it relaxed for them to enjoy the winter on the mountain. In their staff accommodation, in their service industry, we want to make sure that they're relaxed so the customers can relax and we can all play outside in supernatural British Columbia. The ski and boarding season is inching closer with most mountains opening at the end of the month. Yasmin Gandam, Global News. Well, not that kind of snowfall in Metro Vancouver, but certainly some weather <laughs> that we've been watching and there's some video to back it up. Yeah, let's just take a look. We were tracking it between 5 and 6 o'clock. We had the tornado watch that was briefly there. Uh, but here's a look at the water spout that was spotted earlier as well. Incredible. This video just shot uh, out of UBC. So uh, there was rotation that was over the water with the water spout. And then as it moved over land, there's no confirmation, but there was that potential that we could have seen uh, possibly weak tornadoes as it was working its way inland. We had the active cells just over Grouse Mountain. And also a quick reminder, if you do have a tornado watch, make sure you go indoors to the lowest floor in your house. Indoors, basement, stairwell, or interior closet. That's just a reminder for next time if we do see this. It is very rare for us across the region, but it was fascinating to watch. Now, here's a quick look at what we did see on the radar. And I've taken this to 5 o'clock, and that was the cell that we were tracking just over the west end. We had several reports that were reported out of the airport as well. And then it started to move its way inland. So it was active there just after 5 o'clock. So we had it over water, and then it moved its way over land. But we did have the rotation, and it did touch over the water. Now, a couple of other shots of the active weather. This one capturing the lightning. So 
thank you so much, Brian. And a great shot that was capturing the water spout. And this one was captured by Stacy. So fascinating. It was incredible to watch. We'll have more updates on what we anticipate to see. And we'll have some reports and official uh, news from Environment Canada. Here's what we are seeing, though. So things have dissipated. I've taken the radar loop uh, now to present time. We've seen it dissipate. We're still going to see the potential for some showers across the region and breezy conditions for areas that are closer to the water. Now, as we get an overnight tonight, it'll be spotty across the area. If you're traveling in the mountain passes, it's higher elevations that will see some flurries and then heavier snowfall for all of the mountain passes will start to pick up tomorrow afternoon, noon rather, and leading in towards the evening. So you will want to check in with Drive BC for the latest road conditions. But accumulating snowfall, the connector by tomorrow night, 5 and up to 15 centimeters possible. The Kootenai Pass, as well as the Coquihalla, between 10 and up to 15 centimeters. Most of the mountain passes, it's flurries, and then it's starts to pick up once again towards the evening. A heads up. Now, this is a look ahead. Monday overnight leading in towards Tuesday. Special weather statement for winds. Southeasterly, Metro Vancouver, eastern areas along the Sunshine Coast between 50 and up to 70. And then the western edge of the island, 70 up to 90 kilometers per hour. Different weather story, though, for tomorrow. There are some breaks, some sunshine in the mix. The central interior, the southeastern corners could see some wet flurries and then changing over to rain. Much of the south coast, the winds will pick up, though, through the day, the afternoon, 30 and up to 50 kilometers per hour and a reminder before going bed tonight we fall back set your clock one hour behind we gain that daylight saving time will begin once again in march but it ends for tomorrow we get that extra hour of sleep it'll be a breezy one but the big weather story with the winds once again will be monday late and leading in towards our tuesday Nithu. all right thanks so much yvonne well at the end of each year oxford languages releases a word to sum up the year global charmine samani asked canadians to guess this year's word and just like that, in the blink of an eye, it's November, and we're getting ready to wrap up 2021, which means it's also time for Oxford Language's annual tradition, Word of the Year. We ask Canadians what they think the word for 2021 is. My guess is vaccination. The word uh, crypto. Busy. Twitter. Vaccination. Some people almost had it. Oxford Language's word for 2021 is vax, short for vaccines. Oh, <laughs> close. That makes sense. That makes sense. Absolutely. What else? It's the only thing that I hear more than crypto is vax. Casper Grathwald, president of Oxford Languages, says vax, which can be used as either a noun or a verb, was a natural choice. It had such a dramatic spike in usage this past year. According to Oxford Languages, in September, vax was used 72 times more than at the same time last year. It was also used in a variety of ways, like vax cards fully vaxed, vaxication, anti-vax, and anti-vaxxer. Grathwall says the word vax also evolved through the year. At the beginning of the year, we were the words that we would pair with uh, vaccine was rollout. Words that implied what was coming. The year went on, we moved from vaccine candidate and vaccine trial to vaccine dose and vaccine mandate and vaccine passport, even vaccine hesitancy. Word of the year has been an annual tradition for Oxford languages for decades. Closing the year and reflecting back on what the year has meant. Grathwell says some words of the year capture a moment and then phase out, while others stick for a long time. He expects the word vax to have a strong impact for the decades to come. Charmin Samani, Global News. Interesting. I would have thought coronavirus. <laughs>
Vax does make sense. Vax does make sense. It's pretty good. It's one on their end for sure. Exactly. All right, Barry's here for a look ahead at sports. Barry. Yeah, I think they're kind of come up with a new word to describe that Connor McDavid goal yesterday. <laughs> it's the talk of the sporting world. We'll take another look. And uh, we can't repeat the word going on in the Canuck room these days. They're frustrated. Another tough night on the power play and another loss. And we'll hear from them as uh, they try to figure out what's wrong. Coming up. Quite a task. All right, thanks for that, Barry. Also ahead, paying it forward. No, look, it has all my stuff in it. Someone sent it back. How a Fraser Valley woman's lost wallet was returned and the note that came with it. Panmore Man was mauled by a bear in Kananaskis country this season, and the 38-year-old is now sharing his story for the first time. As Jamie Dahl reports, the fact that he was prepared for an emergency like this may have saved his life. A beautiful September hike through the fall larches turned into a day that will be with Peter Graham forever. You know, it was so close that we surprised each other. I remember that she turned her head to look at me, and in an instant she started running towards me in a full sprint. A mama bear and two cubs. Graham says we're just 20 feet away when she attacked, her mouth open. I could actually hear the, the sound of one of her teeth grinding against my skull. I actually had time to think of how bad the situation was, even in that moment and was instantly knocked down to the ground. The 38-year-old had bear spray, but he says everything happened so quickly, there was nothing he could do. Definitely moments of terror there because she moved with such speed and power that once she had me down to the ground, um, she moved to other parts of my body. She bit my abdomen and onto my legs, and then she tossed me around. And then he said she just calmly walked away. So I had a roll of gauze that I wrapped around my head. I pushed the SOS button on my GPS communicator. Still rushing with adrenaline and in shock, an hour later he was long lined out by a helicopter. I had 46 staples along the top and back of my head and another 26 stitches along the front of my face. According to Alberta Environment and Parks, there were two other grizzly bear attacks in Alberta that same weekend. The province says in 2021 there have been nine attacks and three fatalities. There were four attacks and one fatality in 2020. There's a lot of people running around in the mountains right now, and the end result is that there's going to be interactions with wildlife when that happens. The chances are extremely unlikely that it's going to happen, but it can happen. Graham is expected to make a full recovery. He's grateful for his GPS and the skilled team for where he is today. Despite the traumatic event, he says his scars are only on the side. Wow. Still ahead, a Fraser Valley woman is thanking a good Samaritan tonight. I didn't remember ordering anything, so I was wondering what it was. Someone paid it forward anonymously. We'll have that story ahead. Watch the Global News and 980 CKNW Leadership Series every Saturday and Sunday in partnership with Fortis BC. That's energy at work. Support the BC Cancer Foundation. Cancer is deeply personal. Every experience, every milestone, every emotion, and every donation to BC Cancer Foundation fuels world-leading research and ignites new hope for families. Give today at bccancerfoundation.com. The holidays are a special time of year where we spend this cozy time under one roof with our loved ones. Help the Ronald McDonald House BC and Yukon light the house to be a place where families can celebrate together while far away from home for their sick child's treatment. If you want to know, it's on the house. If you want to show, it's on the house. If you want to go, it's on the Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. All right, Barry's back with a full look at sports. Barry, what's on tap tonight? 
Well, unfortunately, as journalists, the same old story, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, for the Canucks. Thanks, Nuthu. The uh, Canucks have the day off today. They host Dallas tomorrow night. And it's probably a safe bet to, they'll be working on their power play in the morning skate. You know it's bad when people start saying stuff like, well, just decline the penalty. Canucks are 0 for their last 18 with a man advantage, just 1 for 20 on this five-game homestand. And the ineptitude cost them again last night, going 0 for 5 on the power play in a 3-2 loss to the Predators. It's, uh, it's tough. Um, you know, obviously, that's the difference in the game. And, you know, we say it a lot and, you know, it just comes down to effort. I think it's, you know, shooting the puck, putting in the effort to get the puck back, opening up another shot, shoot it again, crashing that. You know, we just got to keep it simple. We gotta, can't keep looking for the perfect play and, um, you know, we just got to find a way. We got to find a way. There's no excuses. Our coaching staff is working hard with our guys to play. To, they're trying different looks. We can blame the coaching staff or we can say the guy's got to be better. It's a combination of everything, but there's no secret that they have to be better. I think we've got some individuals that can play better. Uh, we're trying different things. Give their team credit. They blocked 28 shots tonight. Uh, the first coaching casualty of the NHL season is Jeremy Colleton. Not a surprise considering the Blackhawks are 1-9-2 after 12 games. Derek King, who was the head coach of the Hawks minor league affiliate, has been named interim head coach in Chicago. Many of you have uh, probably already seen Connor McDavid's spectacular goal last night against the Rangers. But the thing about a goal like this is whether you're watching it for the first time or the hundredth time, you still yell wow after you see it. So here it is, maybe the best one McDavid's ever scored, which is a pretty high bar. Oilers got the matchup they wanted. Rangers having trouble changing here. McDavid, beautiful move. What can you say? That is absolutely outstanding. Great. Now McDavid thinks he can do this anytime he wants, which is true. McDavid has points in all 10 Oilers games, 22 of them. They're off to their best ever start at 9-1. and one. He and Leon Dreisaitl are on pace for 180 points apiece, which in this era of the NHL is ridiculous. But you can never stop watching that play. NHL tonight, the 9-0 and Hurricanes against the 9-0-1 Florida Panthers. Canes had only given up 15 goals in their first nine, but the Panthers jumped on them early and often. Anton Lundell outweights Freddie Anderson. That made it 3-0, and they weren't done yet. Beautiful passing, a tic-tac goal for Patrick Hornquist. Third power play goal of the period. The Canucks may want to view that tape. 4-0 Panthers after one. Second period now 4-2. A race for the puck. Kane's goalie Antje Aranta comes out to play it but collides with the Panthers' Ryan Lomberg. Lomberg got a charging major. I don't know how he avoids that collision, but the Canes didn't score in the power play, and they lose for the first time this year 5-2. Despite losing for the sixth straight time last night in Hamilton, the Lions are remarkably still alive for a CFL playoff spot. BC needs to win its last two against Calgary and Edmonton and hope the Stamps also lose their finale against first place Winnipeg. So the possibility is there, but 
BC needs to get that offense going. They've averaged just 15 points per game during the six-game losing streak. The CFL family lost one of its great players, ambassadors, and personalities today, Angelo Mosca has passed away at the age of 84. He was a five-time Grey Cup champ, a fierce competitor, best known for his playing days with the Ticats, but he was also a successful pro wrestler and has maintained his popularity in Canada for over a half century. CFL action today, Argos and Rough Riders, Toronto in a three-way battle with the Alouettes and Ticats for first in the East. Ottawa already eliminated, but the Argos trailed in the fourth until McLeod Bethel Thompson hits Curly Gittens for the touchdown. And they have to go for two to tie it up, and it's good to Devaris Daniels. Argos got a late field goal and won it 23 to 20. So they are first in the East right now at eight and four. This is from the Under-23 World Wrestling Championships in Serbia Friday, where Surrey's Anna Godinez in red won gold medal in the 62-kilo class. Godinez rallied from being down 5-0 early in the match to win 10-7 against her Ukrainian opponent. And she's back in town today and was honored at SFU, where she's part of the wrestling team there, and obviously a huge inspiration. It's super exciting. Um, I really want uh, women's wrestling to grow in Canada and in BC. It's, you know, it's becoming a huge thing in um, the U.S. and I want it to become that big of a thing here as well. So I am glad I can be a role model for that. Third round of the PGA Tour event from the Riviera Maya in Mexico. Norway's Roger Hovland had the round of the day, and he finished strong. Third shot on the par 5, 17th. The chip shot almost goes in for an eagle, tapped it in for birdie. And then at the 18th, Hovland dialed in with the scoring irons again. Knocks the, uh, it's Victor Hovland, by the way, not Roger Hovland. Knocks this one to four feet. Another birdie. He had nine of them against no birdies. Nine under 62. He's at 19 under three up on Justin Thomas. Nick Taylor of Abbotsford tied 17th. Adam Hadwin's 45th. And Adam Spenson is 70th. English Premiership first place Chelsea hosting 18th place Burnley. Blues open the scoring through Kai Havertz as he will head this one in in the 33rd minute. One nil Chelsea at half, but Burnley shock everyone at Stamford Bridge with this equalizer in the 79th minute. Mate Vidra, huge result for Burnley, 1-1 final. Man City moved into second, edging Man United 2-1. While you couldn't get a more dramatic season finale for the Whitecaps tomorrow afternoon at BC Place against the Seattle Sounders, a Whitecaps draw or win gets them in the playoffs. They could also get in if uh, some other teams lose. Still, the pressure is immense. But the great thing about Vanny Sartini since taking over the team is that his enthusiastic attitude has trickled down to the players and it's made them play more freely. So it's only fitting on the most stressful week of his MLS coaching life, Vanny is taking Japanese language lessons. Yesterday at Japanese class, I, I learned a new word uh, that the Japanese say is waku waku, that um, when they feel it uh, uh, very excited for something. So I'm very waku waku, watashi wa waku waku, totemo waku waku this. That's for my Japanese teacher, Makiko. Hi. <laughs> Why are you taking Japanese? I'm taking Japanese because uh, I like to learn new things and uh, I want language is one of my passions. So uh, last year I wanted to learn a language that uh, I didn't know anything about it. So I chose Japanese and uh, I'm having fun. So good. 
he is the world's most interesting man, or at least the world's most interesting soccer coach. And a big game tomorrow, 3 o'clock against Seattle, and they could be in the playoffs at this time tomorrow. Incredible. Can't argue that. I'll say Tanvad. Thank you in Punjabi. <laughs> and we'll be right back with that heartwarming story we've been telling you about, about a good Samaritan's anonymous gesture. Stay with us. All right, well, most of us have just given up in despair after losing a wallet. I'm guilty of that. Or some other valuable personal items. Well, a Fraser Valley woman thought just that until a random act of kindness restored her faith. Here's Julia Foy. 27-year-old Sushield Desange loves her job training as a student nurse. I don't think you can be a nursing without being caring. But on October 13th, when she was on her way to a Halloween party with friends, she needed help herself when she lost her wallet somewhere near Granville and 14th in Vancouver. I quickly ran back to my car. I tore my car apart. I looked all around. I could not find my wallet. And I was like, oh, it's gone. She couldn't believe her bad luck. We get our COVID vaccines, our flu shots, our mask tests, and I have all that in my wallet. But three days later, her luck changed when she opened a package in the mail. My flu shot card, all my cash is still in there. Then I looked closer and it had all my stuff in it. And then I saw this note and I kind of just sat there in shock for a little bit and stared at it. Inside was a receipt showing the unnamed sender had mailed it at 2.30 in the morning from the shopper's drug mart in Kitsilano. There was no name attached, but there was a note. Hey, found this on the ground on Saturday at 7 p.m. on Granville at 14th. Pay it forward. Cheers. So she was so excited, she posted about it on her neighbor's community Facebook page, where it quickly attracted up to 1,000 responses. It's just like amazing that there's still people out there that are have a good heart like that. And I was actually very, very happy that that happened. Shocked still. Still shocked. It's not even my wallet. <laughs> when she put her story on an international social media page called The Kindness Pandemic, it garnered over 3,000 comments. Awesome person. That's Canada for you. Canada always great. Absolutely amazing. Earth angels. Shushil doesn't know who her wallet rescuer is, but she would like to connect with them. Thank you so much for returning my wallet to me and restoring my faith in humanity. Um, I just thank you. Thank you a lot. Julia Foy, Global News. That All right. So great. Pay it forward. Also, set your clock behind, forward and behind. <laughs> Get that extra hour of sleep tomorrow. Don't forget. Enjoy, everybody. Jordan will be here at 11. Have a great <laughs> night.